0: Looking at 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 3, and would you please stand as read from God's Word. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Lord, thank you that we get to have fellowship with you and fellowship with one another. And Lord, often that can seem a little complicated and hard. But you can make it happen. Pray you'd work in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So the first Sunday after I had the. The surgery, repair, uh, the detached retina, I was supposed to be just uh, sitting in a chair with my face to the floor, kind of still. So there was no going to church that Sunday. So instead we did like many in the world, especially during the pandemic, have been doing, we went to church online. And we went actually to my home church back in Astoria, Oregon and watched their service, got computers set up and everything and listening and following along there. it was a reminder way to me of how especially during the pandemic there's kind of been a growing number of people who have been doing church that way and it's kind of handy You you can do it you don't have to you can just stay in your sweats you don't have to get dressed up you don't interact with people who sometimes may be complicated to interact with and in our culture increasingly especially during the pandemic we've made so many things that you can just do by staying in your home. You can get food delivered in. You can order anything at Amazon and it shows up at the house. You can conduct business and do all kinds of stuff and you don't have to deal with people. And there's something tempting about that. But God has made us in such a way that we need fellowship. And we can maybe do things like watch a church service without interacting with people. And we can get stuff brought to us without interacting with people. And we can start to think we can do everything without having that messy, complicated thing of dealing with people. But that's not how God really made us to be. God has made us where we need fellowship. We need to be with others. And yet that can be complicated. And it can be hard. And for it to happen, there needs to be forgiveness. Forgiveness makes fellowship possible. We need God's forgiveness first of all. And then we need to be living in that forgiveness and forgiving others. For there to be real fellowship with God and with one another. But God wants us with him. He wants us with him, but there's a problem because God is holy and we're not. And he can't have sin in his presence. And there's no fellowship if you live in darkness. He talks in these verses about how God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. He can't have darkness in his midst. He can't have the darkness of our sin in his presence. And and then as he goes on, he says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet are in darkness, we lie that we're not really in fellowship with him if we're just staying in the darkness. Darkness can't have fellowship with light. Light and dark don't coexist. It's like if you're in a dark room, but the sun starts to come up and starts to shine through the window. The sun pushes the darkness out. A room can't be completely light and completely dark. They don't coexist. They're not there at the same time. And in In a way, that's a picture of Christ coming into the world. He comes into the dark world and he comes with the light and his light keeps pushing darkness out. The light of Christ needs to be pushing the darkness out of our sin, out of our lives, pushing the darkness of of sin out so that we can have his light. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Saying if we're in the dark, living in the darkness, we can't really have fellowship with God because he's light. It's certainly it doesn't mean that we need to have some kind of sinlessness and we need to get all the darkness out of our life because we're never going to be getting it all out. But in a way, instead, though, he's saying we need to pursue the light. We need to be wanting to live in the light of God's love and God's truth. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, he says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He calls us out of the darkness. He doesn't say you need to be totally out of the darkness and have everything cleaned up in your life. But he's saying you need to at least... Try. You need to be at least striving to live in the light, striving to get out of the darkness. Imagine if you have a kid or a grandkid who just doesn't listen to anything you say, just disobeys, doesn't really care what you say, and 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 yet they say they think there's no trouble in the relationship between you and them. Well, the parent's gonna say, "Okay, child, you need to wake up and." Get in touch with reality, <laughs> because if you have a child or grandkid who just doesn 't listen to you, ignores you, and just you say one thing and they just do another thing that 's going to cause some trouble in the relationship <laughs> similar with us and God, <laughs> and yet sadly there's people in the world who think, well, they can just ignore God, they can just do their thing, don't pay any attention to what God says, and well I can still have fellowship with him. <laughs> God is saying, no, he's, he's like a father who you disobey him, you ignore him, there's going to be trouble in the relationship. It's like you don't say your kid has to be perfect, otherwise he'll get kicked out of the house. But you do at least want the child to pay some attention. You do at least want the child to be striving to obey. You want the child to care about what you say. There needs to be forgiveness and there needs to be Jesus Purifying and removing the barrier. And he is willing to do that. Sin gets in the way of our fellowship with God. It gets in the way of our fellowship with one another. And that sin needs to be dealt with. And that's what Jesus came to do. It says in the verse, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. In a way, when we read that, it might seem like separate thoughts. It's saying in the one thought, we can have fellowship with one another. And then the next thought is Jesus purifies from all sin. But those actually go together. The way he's saying we can have fellowship with one another because the blood of Jesus purifies from all sin. It's only because of the cross, it's because of what Jesus did for us. That's what makes it possible for us to have fellowship with the Holy God and with each other. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, he says, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God. It's because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that we can draw near. It's because of his sacrifice on the cross that we can enter the most holy place. We can be in the presence of the living God. Because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he cleanses us from sin. And we can also be in fellowship with one another because of the cross. It's our sin that causes trouble in a relationship with God. And it's our sin that causes trouble in relationship with each other, too. In Ephesians chapter 2, he he speaks about the relationship between the Jew and the non-Jew. That relationship that in the time of the New Testament was so much conflict, so much trouble, and that people would look and say, There's no way Jews and non Jews could ever get together. Ephesians 2, he's talking about Jesus, and he says, He Himself is our peace, who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And that says, He's making peace through the cross. Through the cross, He makes it possible for us to be at peace with those that. Otherwise, there's no way we could be at peace with them. But when we both come to Christ and the cross, we can be reconciled. We can be at peace. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you're not at peace with and that you don't have good fellowship with. And maybe it's somebody that you're thinking, there's no way that relationship's ever getting healed. Well, it's not going to get healed in your own strength. But what's impossible for us is possible with God. And he can bring some healing. He can bring some fellowship where it just isn't existing at all today. Spencer Perkins, the man on the right, he had watched his father get beaten close to death in Mississippi in the late 1960s. His father got beaten mainly just because he was black. And he was involved in the civil rights movement. His father, John Perkins, was a pastor who was speaking up about civil rights, and they beat him, almost killed him. The guy on the left, Chris Rice, he grew up in Vermont. There were no black people around where he grew up. He didn't have much of anything to do with with African Americans at all. But then God worked in both of their lives, brought them to faith in Christ. God brought them to be serving together at a church. And they end up, they wrote this book, More Than Equals, and the top it says, Racial Healing for the Sake of the Gospel. And they write about how they had all kinds of reasons to not be in fellowship with each other at all, but God brought them together through Christ. And they became guys who had close friendship, close fellowship. God is able to do that. He can bring Jew and Gentile together. He can bring white and black together. He can create fellowship where it seems there is no way it's possible. But we can have fellowship with one another. We can have fellowship with one another. Fellowship that is something that you just don't see in the world. In fellowship, it can be difficult at times. There can be people who we might think, boy, no way I could have fellowship with them. And yet fellowship can come and true fellowship flows out of God's truth. He begins a section, he says, we proclaim what we have seen and heard. This is John, who's, who was the apostle who got to see Jesus crucified on the cross and risen again. He got to see all these miracles. And, and now he's saying, we proclaim what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. He's saying this proclamation of the truth about Jesus, that's what leads to the fellowship. The truth of God's word, the truth is the foundation for fellowship. It's the foundation for bringing us together. He's not saying we have to agree on everything because we're never going to, but when we come to agreement on the foundational truths, that Jesus is true God and true man, that Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins, that he rose again from the dead. When we come to agreement on Christ's then that's what can lead to fellowship. There was a pastor who told about some years ago, he went to the movie The Passion of the Christ, and this powerful portrayal about Jesus suffering on the cross. In the movie, it speaks about how Jesus declared that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And then he said he got home, and there sitting in the mail was, a, was an advertisement, the mass mailing thing that went out for a, another church in his community. And in that, that advertisement for the church, the church said they welcome everybody, and they said, this is a place where you just seek your own truth. And you can just come, and whatever truth, whatever path you're on, whatever kind of truth you want to be seeking after, we're just encouraging that. And then it said, this is a place where you can have fellowship. He's thinking about what he just watched. He's thinking about those words of Christ, Jesus saying he's the truth. And he thought, how are you going to have fellowship if everybody's just seeking their own truth? Now, true fellowship doesn't come when everybody just believes whatever they want to be true. True fellowship comes when we're all together seeking the one who is truth. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a truth that in some ways is divisive in the world. But when we believe it and recognize it as truth, then that truth unites and brings us together. The best way really to, to have fellowship, to grow in relationship with others is to spend time in God's truth together. Spend time reading the Bible together, spend time talking about it, studying it, thinking about it. As you spend time in the Bible together, God can draw us together. Oh, you know, We don't grow closer as we each pursue what we might imagine to be true. We grow closer together as we spend time in God's truth. In the early church, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. The Apostle's teaching, he's talking about the Scriptures. And he's saying those go together, That as they were devoted to the Scripture, then it led to their fellowship. Fellowship comes from that truth, and fellowship comes as we walk in the light. If we walk in the light as he is is the light, we have fellowship with one another. Walking in the light, as we said earlier, it doesn't mean... You're just living a sinless life because we don't in this life. And it doesn't mean you have to have perfect obedience because nobody does that. But what it means is that you have a desire in your heart to get closer to the light. That at least you're heading in the direction of the light. You're not running from the light of God's truth. You're at least trying to get closer and you're trying to walk in the light. And we know that in this life, because we're sinful fallen creatures, we're never fully getting to the light. But God wants us to at least want to get that way. At least want to head that way. And as you have two people who are both heading the same direction, you have a better chance of having fellowship. If you go and you're walking down some path and you're going one way and the other person's going the other way, it's going to be hard to have much of a conversation. (laughs) You just kind of pass by and you maybe wave as they go their way and you go your way. And that's how it is if you're trying to have fellowship with somebody and they're just trying to get away from God and you're walking toward the light. When you have two people who have united faith in Christ, then God can bring us together in wonderful ways. In John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples before he went to the cross, and he says, may they be brought to complete unity. He's praying that, and he's also praying that with the the promise that he can help it to happen. He can help us to grow in our unity. He can bring us together in ways that the world could never imagine. In Psalm 131, Psalm 133 in verse 1, he says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's a good and a pleasant thing. And he doesn't write those words as just saying, well, yeah, it's good and pleasant, but it's impossible. No, God doesn't write words like that. No, he says it's good and pleasant and he can help it to happen. We see it happening in the book of Acts. Chapter 4, verse 32, he says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. You have shared before about a guy who was in a class, and the teacher was talking about Acts in the early church and talking about the unity they had and God's work in their midst. And then the students started to realize, the guy's talking about it not just as a history lesson, but as something that God can do in the midst of people today. And he asked the, the professor afterwards, he said, do you really believe the, those kind of things that happened there, that kind of unity God created in those people, God can create in us? And the professor said, yeah, the scripture wasn't written to, to make you jealous. It was written to give you a, an encouragement of what God can do. We can have fellowship with one another, and we can have fellowship with God. We can have fellowship with the Holy Almighty God, we start out, we're sinners that are separated because of our sin, but the cross deals with the sin that separates us from God and it brings us near. And it's grace that God wants fellowship with us. Fellowship with God doesn't happen just because we want it. It's not like we go to God and we convince him, hey, we'd be good for you to have around. Why why you want a friendship with us? And then we talk God into it. No, it doesn't start with us going to God. It starts with God graciously coming to us. God graciously coming and, and, and wanting fellowship with us, wanting to be with us so much that he's willing to send his son to go to the cross and give his life so that we can be with him. It's him sending Jesus that makes it possible. 1 Peter, again, we looked at earlier, and then the first part of the verse in chapter 2, he says, but you are a chosen people, a people belonging to God. God has chosen you. He's chosen you to belong to Him. He picks you. He wants you to be with Him. He wants you to be in His family. In Luke chapter 22, as we looked at earlier, Jesus before he has the Last Supper and before he instituted communion, he said to his disciples, he said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This a group of guys who were normal guys, guys like us. They were guys who some were going to deny that they knew Jesus. Some were going to flee as soon as the trouble started and Jesus got arrested. They were guys who didn't understand at all, even though Jesus had been telling them he was going to go to the cross and he was going to rise again. They were guys who were debating who was the greatest. And yet Jesus still says to them, he says, I've desired to eat this meal with you. In a similar way, he, he desires to eat with us. We can come to the Lord's table because he desires to eat this meal with us. And we can go through life with a confidence based on his word that he wants to, as we sang, he he wants to walk with us and talk with us. He wants to eat with us. He desires to be with us. Cafeteria is going to be scary things for young people. I, I think at times being at the Free Lutheran Youth Convention and it's uh, big event, couple thousand people, big cafeteria, and sometimes seeing these teenagers, they get their tray, and maybe they got separated from friends, or maybe their friends aren't right around. They get this tray, they look out in this cafeteria, all these people, and they're wondering, is there anybody that's going to want me to be at their table? <laughs> I think of one young guy, is all oh, one year. Boy, that poor guy looks scared. He's just there, got kind of petrified. Oh, where am I going to sit? Well, anybody want me, and I thought, oh, he need somebody to call him, say, hey, why don't you come over and sit at our table? They're longing for somebody who'll say, I want you sitting here at my table. In this world, you can have a confidence, Jesus wants you at his table. The Lord Almighty comes to you and he says, hey, I want you at my table. I want you in my group. I want you in my family. I want you with me. Jesus wants you with him. Fellowship with God is reason for great joy. To be chosen, to be wanted, is a longing that we we all have. And the Lord wants us. The Lord chooses us and we rejoice that he wants fellowship with us. We rejoice that he makes it possible. He, He says in the verse, we write this to make our joy complete. It's a joyful thing that we get to belong to God. We get to go through life with him. Psalm 42, as we read earlier, he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Psalmist is saying, "I, I just long to be with God. May we have that kind of heart desire. The psalmist knew this is the best thing, to be with God, to meet with him. May we have that longing, when can I go and meet with God? When can I be with him? Later in the Psalms, in Psalm 122, he says, I rejoiced with me who said, those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He rejoiced. He said, I, I get to go and be with God. And this applies, it's not just talking about going to church on Sunday morning. But this is talking about life. Because it's not just Sunday morning that we get to meet with God. No, what we can do as we sang. We can walk with him and talk with him. And hear him through the word tell us that we are his own. No, each day he wants to go through the day with you. You can have the joy of going through life with God the joy of not just being on your own trying to figure it out trying to make it trying to to get it all right you can have the joy of, of being with god as your your everlasting companion your lord and savior walking through life with you there was a mom who wrote about how when her her kids were little babies how She'd go into the room and her baby would smile and and laugh a little bit and was just so happy that mom was there and just happy to be in the presence of mom. Then her kids grew up to be teenagers. And as some of you have experienced, teenagers aren't always so happy to be in the presence of their parents. (laughs) And, And teenagers sometimes can be just wanting to get something, want okay, do something for me and then leave me alone. She thought about that. She thought about her relationship with God. And she thought about how she wanted to be like the baby. Not so much like the teenager. Not just wanting to be with God when she needed something. Going to God, okay, I need something, could you do it for me? But instead, wanting to be like that baby that just rejoices and smiles to be in the same room. Just rejoices and smiles that, boy, I get to be in the presence of God. May we rejoice that we get to have fellowship with God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we get to have fellowship with you. What a privilege that is. What a, a joy that is. What an undeserved, gracious thing. Lord, help us to not just want to get something from you, but help us to rejoice that we get to be with you.